what do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. So I want to welcome you to this version of the Niche Finder podcast. Today, we're privileged to have Noah Healy on today. His niche now is he considers himself a recreational mathematician. Uh, his goal is really to improve the efficiency of the markets that we all interact with every day. He has a strategy, an algorithm that he designed that will help to make our overall market, the cost of it, the cost of running it, more cost effective. Without further ado, I, I want to introduce again, Mr. Noah Healy. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me, Cliff. It's a lot of fun to be here. <laughs> All right. Excellent. And so I don't even want to ask the obvious question, but it's one of the first questions that I do ask. What do you consider to be your niche? My niche is a computational algorithmist. The way computers function has a practical element based on what we've learned about how to actually fabricate physical machines. Uh, but it also has a mathematical element in what's involved in performing information transformation. And the mathematics of information transformation, which includes things that become very buzzwordy like programming and data science and machine learning is actually very fundamental and in terms of beauty has more in common with number theory or Euclidean geometry or something like that. It's, it's an incredibly pure, very clean system, which because we have this global technology that is doing everything it can to approximate it means that it's actually pretty easy to be practically employed uh, doing some of these things. 
this is where some of the executive MBAs uh, that I went to school with, they will definitely be, uh, will say, Farouk has got to talk to this guy. And that, that was our macroeconomics professor, because what I've learned, you know, I've gained a deeper appreciation from, from taking classes like macroeconomics or how, you know, turn the proverbial leaf in China. And then we, you know, it changes the forest in the US, right? It's like, we're just, the global economy is so tightly woven together. I'm really fascinated at this algorithm that you are basically referring to how it can have an impact on such a large market but as we get into that why would the audience have a vested interest in your journey well mostly because of the the proposed destination like like you were saying daily interaction with marketplaces there aren't any people that are within reach of your podcast that that are self-sufficient. Nobody makes all of their own food, clothing, shelter, energy, even sort of off-grid people still depend on the existence of a surrounding civilization for certain things, emergencies, and so on. And so essentially, unless you're like the North Centalese, the guys in, out in the South Pacific Indian Ocean, that the uncontacted tribe, they're out of the game. But for the rest of us, mm-hmm. we're all using products that feed out of uh, these commodity markets. And many people around the world are feeding into them as well. Whether you're creating some more niche type uh, commodity products like apples or chocolate or sort of the big workhorse things like oil or iron or rice or wheat. An enormous amount of the human economy is is wrapped up in commodity production. And as as our population continues to, to grow, as it is, it's going to increase. I was reading uh, just the other day, actually, commodity production is estimated as of 2022 to be about $7.6 trillion dollars. And it's slated to exceed $10 trillion by 2027, actually. So not even the end of this Mm. decade. So five years, we expect another $2 trillion in that activity to occur. And that's reflective of the, you know, almost 7.8, or I think we're over 7.8 billion people right now. Hmm. What external struggles were you dealing with at the start of your journey to landing where you find yourself now? My primary external trouble, which is sort of still there uh, and has always been my biggest problem, is just fitting into the world around me. I'm a fairly content person and from childhood I've always been pretty much a loner. Uh, And so finding ways to actually interact with and and get into society are my biggest struggles and always have been. Hmm. What internal struggles did you find yourself up against? Internally, like I said, I'm a pretty content person. I actually try to manufacture struggle to make me learn more. I really love learning new things. And the truism is true. You learn more from failure than success. So if you're mostly pretty happy and cheerful all the time, success, you know, it's sort of natural to be able to just sort of accept what's going on. And so I try to, well, I do. uh, I review what I've done every day 
and I try to cast a very critical eye on my own accomplishments and think through what could have gone better, what I can adjust for the next time, make the notes to think about for the next time I'm in that situation and review that as well. Like, did I successfully learn that kind of thing? Hmm. What did you want to accomplish at the start? Basically just wanted to see if I could actually productively think about mathematics and create something not even necessarily useful, but just true and and new. In my professional development, I work with computers most of the time. And a bit over a decade ago, I had been working for a company that I'd basically reached the end of the road with. I'd finished the task for which I was hired and they had no opportunities for career at the company as a corporate mandate. They didn't want to have to manage that, so they just didn't offer career opportunity. And so I left. Uh, I had some money in the bank and I did a little traveling. I have family, uh, some of them scattered around the world, so I visited some family. Uh, but mostly I just wanted to take some time and think about some of these things without having the external pressure of a job and just see if there was anything out there that that I could come up with. So I was playing around with several of these things. Uh, I came up with a few minor things. I created a quine in English. Uh, that's a question which is its own answer. That was fun. Mm. But then I was working on this problem of consensus on networks, which is really blown up as a problem with blockchain uh, as something that, that that's very popular. I wasn't really going for blockchain style approaches. And of course, Bitcoin already existed, you know, at that point. Uh, but when I got through this game theory approach and worked out how you could apply it to marketplaces and then analyzed what the resulting marketplaces would do, that's when I suddenly found myself, you know, with a purpose because it's a significant upgrade in terms of informational efficiency from the markets that we presently have. Hmm. So that's what I consider to be your journey, right? And then we have three segments to the interview platform that we're, we're going to be uh, pretty much taking off from today. But right now, what I want to get from you is what I consider to be your niche. Right? And so niche are made up of uh, five questions. It has to do with what are your passions are? What do you do that feels purposeful? The patterns that you have, what do you, which are what you do naturally well? And then proficiencies is what you've learned to do well over time. And then the fifth and last one is problem solving. What do people come to you to solve in a unique way? So we go back up to the top. What are your passions? Like, what do you do that when you do it, you feel like you've been ignited? It really is thinking, thinking about reason and and these sorts of they aren't really problems. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of puzzles, but there's something that's exciting to me about working out how to do things and drilling into an understanding of how to do things that this form of mathematics allows to be quantified in in a really beautiful way and so when you can actually get to that point it's just fascinating actually 
and that's that's great. Mm, you know, Albert Einstein, when you um, responded and said, you know, thinking was uh, something that you're passionate about. It's it's interesting because Albert Einstein actually said that thinking is hard work. That's why so few do it. <laughs> so, um, yes, you know, yes. Well, also... <laughs> um, there's some truth. Uh, there's a Terry Pratchett quote. It takes 10 people with their feet on the ground to support one person with their head in the air. Wow. You can't just live in your own brain. And yeah, it is quite a joy when you can sort of make those that that intuitive leap is really amazing. There's sort of a, a combination. Uh, I was talking about this with another person, and uh, John Conway, who you may or may not be familiar with the game of life, that little evolving pattern thing. He, he created that, but he described what it was like inventing the surreal numbers. And it's sort of this cross between daydreaming and sort of flow state concentration like when you're doing something you're really good at and everything's just coming you know if you can that the combined sensation of of just sort of aimlessly fantasizing but at the same time knowing that what you're doing is actually real and has value and you're good at it and it's and the pieces are sort of locking together is I've never found anything quite like it. That's awesome. What do you do that feels purposeful to you? Well, this really, I mostly had a relatively purposeless life. I was, I was, I'm basically a content person and I was pretty much living to live. I don't really regard, I mean, it's a lot of fun to amuse yourself by thinking about these things, but most of the breakthroughs that I've come up with, quote unquote, are things that somebody else, you know, smarter than I am, figured out a century or two ago. One of the advantages of, of computational mathematics is that it's a young science, so at least you don't have the embarrassment of somebody who was like an ancient Greek having already beaten you to the punch. Um, you know, at least it's pretty much just 20th century people. But still, a lot of smart guys and 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 women too um, have have done an enormous amount of work in these fields of of information and computation. Well, let me ask you this: What do you do that you feel? is a pattern for you like you do it naturally well i sort of depend on my patterns for a lot of things i use it as a memory extension from a young age i have a very logical brain and so i can observe that i will actually reason the same way given sort of the same inputs on multiple occasions so instead of remembering something that's a logical consequence of something else or a chain, I will sort of consciously remember the setup and just depend on the fact that I'll just react the same way to the same setup later in life and just sort of take advantage of that pattern. In terms of sort of craft skills, I'm a pretty good baker, actually. <laughs> but that's that's kind of broken pattern. My fruitcakes have been highly delayed this year. I, I tweaked my back and, and lost oh, wow. most of December um, wow. to back spasms this year. And uh, so mm. the 40-ish pounds of fruitcake that I normally make <laughs> has not yet occurred. Wow. 
man, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I know how debilitating back injuries can be. So I hope you feel better soon. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, all better and- now. It's just, you know, the new year's been really busy. Uh, and the snowstorms have also made things rather frenetic. As I was mentioning to you, we had a, a nasty storm a couple of weeks ago that knocked yeah. out power and yeah. then internet for a couple of days. And that has interfered quite a bit with my ability to schedule things. Oh, wow. Well, what do you do that you're proficient, that you, you've, you've learned to do well over time? Reading, walking, baking. I can read and walk at the same time. I've been able to do it for a long time. And I've been asked for decades how to do that. And my answer has never changed. Is first you learn how to walk, and then you learn how to read. And most people don't bother doing either of those things. Um, <laughs> I actually, I'm loosely ligamented, so my joints can be pretty bad. It's probably when my back decided to, to slip a disc. The first time my knee went out on me, I was about four years old, and I spent quite a lot of my childhood with a limp on either one side or the other, depending on which knee was flaring up. And uh, in my early 20s, I actually had to go through a physical therapy and, and essentially recognize the fact that I was not, in fact, walking correctly. And I now do those therapeutics every day. And most people, when they're doing a task, uh, cheated in some sense. Uh, They rely on the fact that as humans, we have a lot of senses, we have a lot of abilities. And so rather than with walking, maintaining balance through posture and form, you use your eyes to see where the lines are and just adjust and catch yourself when you're off. I could do that, but if I did, I would have a really high chance of putting a foot a little wrong and having my knee or ankle Uh, decide that it was done so I need to do things more properly and that's not uncommon across all disciplines I've observed lots of people are willing to use ability to cut corners here or there and it's a very natural thing to do and it's fine for an individual it's a big complicated life you can't be perfect at everything but it's death for scale so If it's just you and you're out there doing something and it's a little bit off, who cares? But if you're part of a bigger system, you're a little bit off and they're a little bit off, turn into more and more and more and more. I've written code that was supporting programming teams of 200 people. And when you reach that kind of scale, the kind of casual, oh, hey, yeah, this is sort of what I was thinking, that... can't cut it anymore you know there has to be an incredibly regimented exactly correct always repeated system that's in place Mm. as as a baseline for something like that Mm. what problems do people come to you to solve in a unique way mostly puzzles actually uh logic problems a lot of computer programming is just getting your thoughts out there and putting putting it all down But some of computer programming is, I've got a problem and I don't know how to get from A to B. And that's that's where I step in. This is a known result, as I I later found out. But uh, they were shuffling up things to make them random. And the shuffle they were using 
basically took each thing in the list, created a random number the size of the list, and then stuck it into that slot, and then moved to the next element of the list, random number the size of the list, switched to that slot, did the whole thing like that. And the, the size of the list was 2 to the 32nd power, which is over 4 billion. So they wanted to know if this was a, a fair thing, if, if all orders were, were possible. And it turns out that it's trivially easy to demonstrate that it's not. And you can do it just by thinking about three objects. If you were to do that with three objects, then there would be 27 different things you could do switching places. But there are six ways that you can actually differentially arrange three objects. So if you were to take 27 different things and put them into six bins, could you put the same number in each bin? The answer is no, you can't, because six divides uh, 27 six times with three left over. And that three left over means there has to be some unevenness somewhere. And as the number of bins and the number of things you're sorting increases, that disparity just gets worse and worse. But it turns out that fair shuffling is, again, something somebody else figured out 80 years ago. But uh, but yeah, when people need to think through those sorts of things. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing that, that Whitney Young said, American uh, civil rights leader, he said, it is better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. And this last segment that we want to cover right now is going to be your secrets and the opportunity that I want to present to your younger self, who, although you speak it to me, I want you to speak to your younger self before you discovered your niche. And the first question that I, I want you to answer is, what one secret would you share with your younger self that will help accelerate you from where you are at that moment in time to where you are today? I think I would have introduced computational mathematics. I tumbled into this accidentally. Uh, I'd been exposed to, to computers and programming uh, even fairly early, but pedagogically, I guess, in order to make things interesting to students or make them easy enough to actually explain, computer technology was always presented in terms of building games or graphics and i'm not a graphics artist and i'm not a really a game designer and so i was like okay so you've got a tool that does stuff that i don't want to do fine <laughs> and i never really explored what it was it wasn't until i got out of college and then was employed programming computers without much in a computer background and then sort of the engineering ethics kicks in it's like you know if you're employed you should know what you're talking about and then i went and explored all the back story the information and stuff and saw the actual mathematics and yeah i think there was space i had some advanced mathematical instruction in even grade school but an enormous amount of grade school math is is basically arithmetic you know addition mm -hmm. subtraction multiplication division come back next year let's do it again and so i found that extremely boring after the first round and uh and with five years that might have been nice to, to have some some mm -hmm. other things to chew on right 
Yeah, and, and of course, what's coming to mind is please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. It's that's kind of like etched in my mind when he talks talking about how the, the mathematical uh, breakdown <laughs> that that whole <laughs> that's right is coming back to me. <laughs> uh, but so when we talk about um, your secrets, uh, what is your secret to uh, getting started and staying committed? I think the key to commitment is how you value your goals. If you don't care why you're doing something, commitment isn't going to happen. Uh, you know, mm. you, you might be able to force yourself for a few days or a few weeks, but eventually you're going to feel tired or crappy or something. And you're just going to be like, well, I don't have to do that because I don't want to. Mm. And so it's really an internal struggle. It's about finding what you think is important. And then once you do that, you're committed. You're stuck. It's, it's mm -hmm. important. You're going to do it. <laughs> mm. How frequent should one make time to develop their niche? If, if you haven't found it yet, that is your purpose, really. If you have found it, uh, then development needs to be a part of what you're doing. And so that could be a sign to you of whether or not you found found your niche. But yeah, if you're just kind of flailing around and and not really bringing anything to the table and not satisfied with with what's happening, what are you doing? I mean, there's, there's it's a big world. It's a big universe. There's an enormous amount of stuff. There's a lot of problems to solve. And if it turns out you're the answer to one of them, then do it. Hmm. Mm, love it. How important is it to be accurate as you express your niche at the beginning stages? Well, accuracy is sort of an obsession of mine. So it's probably not as important as I think it is. <laughs> um, I think the most important thing is that you're operating off what's real. And accuracy is is a help to that but it's not the only thing it's possible to construct incredibly elaborate completely coherent uh systems based on nonsense you know the, the proverbial house built on sand and so I think the foundations are, are sort of the most important thing. And I don't know if this is a quote or something. It's a great thing I, I ran across decades ago. If something is worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. If there's something that needs to be done and it cannot be done well, it still needs to be done. Mm. And so if getting started means you have to sacrifice accuracy and, and, and go through a learning process or, or discovery or something else, that's a sacrifice. Hmm. And so um, last two questions that I have for you, the uh, first of the two is what action items are uh, what you want to give to our niche finder community that you find to be must haves? I think the the most important thing is actually action do or do not there is no try um, in that generation again there's a lot of problems people are mostly wrong about mostly everything everyone even me and so there's an enormous amount of power in just 
taking action. And so that having something that you can do that makes any kind of progress, I think, is, is your first action item. Paul Graham, he wrote a book called Hackers and Painters and uh, put together uh, a pretty famous funding group uh, that created Reddit, among other things, has this thing about how uh, startups have to grow really, really quickly. Because if your goal is to take, you know, like, you know, five guys in a, in a garage and turn it into a multinational, then, mm. you know, it can't grow at the speed that like Walmart does because it's going to die mm. before it gets to, to scale. Right. And right. so if you're doing that, the growth rate is actually more important than, than everything else. And so what mm. you're growing almost doesn't matter if you can keep growing it because if you can if you can double every three months if you can double anything every three months um then eventually that will get large enough that that you can turn it into a real enterprise or those skills will turn into what you can get for a real enterprise so yeah you know getting moving doing something that it looks like it's productive um and then check check back on what you're doing and see if you did it well if it achieved the goals you were looking for and what it did because you know just action could turn into spinning your wheels and that's mm. i think that's that's about as good as it gets all right so last question that i have for you how do you know when it's time to change course versus staying focused on your goal i think that goes back again to motivation if you or the world has changed then it is time to change course so for me this system is completely sound there that no counter argument can exist for why this doesn't work and the benefits of getting it into the world are enormous but I'm just trying to get sort of a trial run up somewhere. Once that happens, if it transpires that, you know, empirically people don't want to behave like this, people never have behaved like this before, then that's the end of the story. I mean, if people don't like doing this or can't or some other bizarre thing occurs, then this doesn't have value that, that it looks like it does right now. But without the try, without the feedback, without like the actual something happening, there's nothing that can dissuade what I'm doing. And and I think that personal development, you know, if you just kind of flip a coin and, and pick something off off the list or, you know, your college advisor tells you you should probably do this and then you just go with it, well, sure almost anything should get you to abandon that mm. if, if something comes along and it's like oh instead of instead of a business career you can teach surfing in in south america and that seems like fun why not you know there's nothing there on either side but once you've connected a goal to your goals and and what you think of yourself either the goal has to not be there anymore or yourself has to not be there anymore 
Well, I love it. If the people who are listening to in the community are having interest in many of the principles that you were sharing as it relates to recreational math mathematics, uh, as you coined it, and, uh, and also some of the other theories that you were sharing, uh, how would they best get in contact with you? Well, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm the Noah Healy on LinkedIn uh, and my email address, uh, noahphealy at yahoo.com. Or I have my website at cordisc, uh, C-O-O-R-D-I-S-C uh, com, And you can read more about my market system there uh, or and uh, reach out to contact me as well. All right. And so our niche finder community, uh, for those who want to get in contact with and find out more about what we're doing, you can get the latest uh, book that I have out, uh, Dream Octane, Seven Steps to Discover, Develop and Deliver Your Niche at dreamoctane.org. That's dreamoctane.org. And that book, along with this program, is really rooted in the mantra that we have for the entire community, which is we believe that if innovative change is an engine where your, your unique dream and ability could be its fuel thank you for tuning in today yes we want to thank noah healy for being a part of this program today and uh it was such a pleasure having him on to talk about uh his recreational mathematics his algorithm that is designed uh i believe will help to change the economy and at least the way we know it i make it a little uh, make it more cost effective and more efficient for many of us in our society so thank you Thank you so much, uh, Noah, for sharing these thoughts with us. And, um, you know, we look forward to our Nishwana community for having the very next guests that can help you on your journey towards success. Thanks again. Thank you.